Hi, my name is Evan and I use he, him pronouns. And my name is Sasha and I use they, them pronouns. And we are the The Baker Street Street Regulars, Regulars, a podcast where we are taking a queer magnifying glass to the Sherlock Holmes canon and its many adaptations. Hi, Lindy. Welcome back to Baker Street Regulars. Well, thank you. You're welcome. For people who missed your last episode, what's your like 20 second synopsis about who you are and what your vibe is? My name is Lindy. I use they, them pronouns. I really like mushrooms, and I'm friends with these two hooligans. Yeah. Yeah. Last time we had you on, you talked about falling in love with the Sherlock Holmes short stories and novels. Do you have a favorite of those? My favorite is Scandal in Bohemia. And for why? Because woman. We love a woman. <laughs> and a sentence. <laughs> That's period. basically it. Not just a woman, the woman. The woman. Well, we're here today talking about the Great Mouse Detective. I had never seen this movie before. Shame. Shame. But you both have many, many times. When did it come into both of your lives? Mm. I remember being terrified of it as a young child. Really? Because of one particular scene that we will probably talk about. I liked it a lot as a child. Like I remember being like, I don't know, probably 10-ish. But... I remember being very scared of one particular part. That's that's kind of the forefront of this movie in my memory is being scared of it, which is so funny. But I always really liked the the bad guy song and I liked the little mice. I'm a big fan of little mice Disney or non it's a Disney film, right? It's yeah. Disney, yeah. Am I losing my mind? No. Yes, I love a Disney mice film. Yeah. So this film, The Great Mouse Detective, or Basil and the Great Mouse Detective, and in some countries known as The Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective, is a 1986 American animated mystery adventure film produced by Walt Disney Feature Animation. It's based off of the children's book series Basil of Baker Street by Eve Titus and Paul Gadone, and was written and directed by four directors. David Mishner and Bernie Mattinson were two of them. And then probably the most famous of the four were John Musker and Ron Clements, who led to the Disney Renaissance by directing The Little Mermaid later on. And basically pretty much all of the big Disney Renaissance films that we know and love. This movie had a budget of $14 million and made $38.7 million at the box office back in 1986. It was released to positive reviews from critics and financial success, very much in a very sharp contrast to the previous film that Disney released the year before, The Black Cauldron, which is kind of Disney's biggest flop of all time, a little too scary for the the kids. But because of this film's success, it kind of led Walt Disney upper management kind of have more confidence in the animation department, because at that time, after black cauldron they were like you know we're not doing well in animation maybe we'll shut down i don't know but then great mouse detective because it succeeded so well kind of reassured management net like no animation is fine we'll keep going with this and then probably without this film we wouldn't have the disney renaissance and disney animation as a whole honestly this film is also notable in 2d animation because it features a sequence that involves 3D animation. Yeah. This was, is the, the first film to do so? Yeah, this was one of the first Disney films to use 3D animation as well. I believe it was one of the first few pairings with Pixar 
So. Oh, Pixar took the lead on that sequence. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Before the merger later on, but very interesting. This is also interesting because it's an adaptation of an adaptation in some sense that this is an adaptation of Basil of Baker Street. And then Basil of Baker Street is of course adapting the idea and situations of Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. Does this story come from Basil of Baker Street directly? Do we know? I don't entirely think so. Neither of you have ever read Basil of Baker Street, right? No, I have not. Okay. Yeah. None of the stories are, are the basis of the movie. Gotcha. So this is an original plot. Hmm. Well, somewhat original. I mean, this plot bears some similarities to some other things. Some other, another mice movie of Disney's The Rescuers. Oh, I didn't even think of The Rescuers. We talked last episode about how this film also has some similarities to one of the first episodes of Sherlock Hound and one of the live action parody films we watched without a clue. Right. Which both feature schemes and kidnapped daughters. and Yeah. Or rather, schemes and kidnapped fathers and daughters as clients. Mm-hmm. So. Is one of the original home stories feature a kidnapped father and daughter? Is there one of those? I don't know. If, if there is, we have not read it yet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but this trope does show up a couple times. So I wonder if, it, if it's from something. In these three situations... Without a clue, Sherlock Hound and this. The kidnapped father is itself a clue in uncovering a larger mystery, which feels like a trope that's better mm-hmm. suited to like something movie length than it does to something short story length. Right. Because a lot of the Sherlock Holmes short stories are just that, are short stories where instead of a small case leading to a big case, a small case gets solved and then they go to the opera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You had said you'd never seen this film before. Yeah, I'd never seen this. I don't know how this one escaped my grasp. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up with this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why no one ever sat me down and maybe watched this. It's it's kind of one of the, I don't want to say hidden gems of the Disney canon, but it's not like the most popular of them all. You know, it's not a a Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. It's not a Lion King. It's not a Cinderella. It's, It's very much like... I don't want to say a mid-tier Disney film, but like, it's it's just not one that's in the public conscience at the moment. Yeah, like no one's going to make a theme park ride out of this movie. No, but you know. But should they? Maybe. 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 So the film starts, what to me is a perfect way for a a Sherlock Holmes adaptation to start, which is the foggy streets of London. Right. And I feel like instantly I was like, all right, 10 points out of the gate. We can only go down from here. Foggy Streets of London is a great way to begin. And we push in on this on a normal British street and then a tiny toy shop like set into the curb mm-hmm. at the base of of a like normal sized human house. No, well it's there's a human toy shop. Oh it's it's a human toy shop. And then below it there is a tiny, tiny little mouse toy shop. Yeah. Yeah. They do this over and over again where all of the mouse dwellings and businesses are directly below like corresponding dwellings and businesses so like we later meet the queen victoria analog and she lives her little castle is like built into the gate of buckingham palace Mm -hmm. and when we meet basil which we do in a in a scene or so he lives below 
Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. So we see like this little girl and her dad. They're they're Irish. We love we love the Irish accent. I immediately was like, I know that voice. Yes, I, I know that voice. Mm-hmm. And we you had to look it up, I think. Yes, um, the voice of the father is the same voice as Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. the original Scrooge McDuck mm-hmm. and 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 the show Ducktales. Oh, the original Ducktales. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, he did the Christmas Carol and the original DuckTales. Because now it's David Tennant. Yeah. Yeah. Great Mouse Detective remake with David Tennant. Let's go. Oh. No, he should play Basil. You're right. You're so right. So the thing about this movie is that it's very short. So everything has to happen very quickly. Right. And <laughs> the, we interrupt a cute scene of the toy maker. And his daughter, Olivia. Mr. Flaversham? Mr. Flaversham. Mr. Flaversham. Flaversham. Whatever. <laughs> giving this incredible, like, wind-up toy to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, a very impressive bit of clockwork. It, like, unfurls and turns into a ballerina and dances across the table in a, in a very impressive way. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, an important setup for later, actually. And I appreciate them doing it in a way that doesn't feel too obvious. And then suddenly he is kidnapped. Yes, by a peg-legged bat. <laughs> by a peg-legged mm-hmm. bat. Named Fidget. Mm-hmm. Fidget's my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> what? He's the worst! <laughs> he has this very, like, very low, growly voice. And he's sort of an unserious person. So, it, it, like, at one point he's just, like, is singing to himself. <laughs> like, got the girl, got the girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. He's the character that gave me nightmares really? as a child. No. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was, I was. He was the reason I was so scared. Really, I was so sure that the scene you were going to be scared about was like the big clock tower confrontation at the end. No, oh. no, no, no. It's it's in the like toy store. Oh, yes, when he like jumps out of the shadows after they've cut through the window. Yes. So just to avoid confusion, that's the second toy store this movie has sure. a scene in. It's a different toy store. <laughs> And we'll get there. I'm pretty soon, actually. So Because it's short. It's a short movie. Because it's a really short movie. It's like an hour ten. Yeah. Yeah. So then we meet Dawson, who is our Watson. Yes. And we get the we get the intro that Watson gets. He hasn't met Sherlock Holmes yet. No. He's just returned to London from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And one wonders what he was doing there. Was was there also a tiny Mouse Afghanistan War in mouse the Victorian war? period. <laughs> is that what the movie is implying? There was a tiny mm-hmm. mouse war. Mm-hmm. There was also a tiny mouse industrialization movement. Well, clearly there was because you know. some of the like machinery and gears that we see are like steam powered, I think. Steam powered mice. So before he can figure out a place to stay for the night, because he's arrived at nighttime and needs to find lodgings, he runs into Olivia. Who is hanging out in a boot, in a yes. human human sized boot? Yes, she's crying. Mm-hmm. She's trying to find Basil Baker Street to help her find her father. And Dawson's like, "Well, I'll help you find Basil. I know where to go. I know where Baker Street is." Right. I don't know Basil, but I know Baker Street. We can find him together. Yeah. And I, I sort of love this. I don't know why no one's ever done this before because I feel like every Sherlock Holmes adaptation, if they do a Watson intro, does it separately. Mm-hmm. Watson meets Sherlock, and then a client arrives. I love the idea of Watson bringing the client to Sherlock and meeting Sherlock at the same time as the client. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very efficient storytelling. 
And Olivia is so cute. Olivia is so cute. She's so cute. She's the best character of the film. I agree. She she's Basil's pretty great. Yeah, Basil is pretty great. Although his arrival into the scene is a little questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they get to Baker Street, two two one and a half Baker Street, right uh, above in a window. A silhouette is playing the violin. Who could that be? Who could, who could that be? And Mrs. Hudson, is she called Mrs. Hudson She's here? She's Mrs. Judson. Mrs. Judson. It all feels like they're dodging copyright, which maybe they are. Maybe. <laughs> Mrs. Judson lets them in. I think because it's cold and wet outside. She's and also, like, yeah. Basil's not home, but you could come wait for him, I guess. Yeah, well, because there's also a little child. And there's a little child, and she's like, immediately I have become this child's mother. Yeah. I'm going to make, what, scones? Yeah, cheese scones. Cheese scones. Yeah. Which is very lovely. Yeah. And... You know, mice, cheese. We love it. Classic. Classic. Comedy. But then Basil shows up dressed <laughs> like an extra from the Mikado. Yeah. Because he's in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> this is never explained. And it's no. And it's the only good disguise. Yeah. Yeah. There are some other disguises later in the movie that leave something to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> like he has a full on mask and everything for this yeah. one. And a and a fat suit, I think. Yeah, he has a whole different silhouette. Mm-hmm. But we get a, a like a a big character introduction to Sherlock here. Yeah, like he has all these like machines that are like running, testing like boot prints, and he's like bustling around. He doesn't have time for this little girl. He's like, I have to do this science about bullet forensics. Like he's doing like CSI stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he fires a bullet into a into a bunch Couch of pillows, vision, yeah, and then tries to match it up with the like trace marks of another bullet mm-hmm. to prove that they were fired by the same gun, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they don't match up and he's dejected. Yeah. One thing I noticed about this movie, especially in this sequence and the next one, is that the movie's not afraid to make Basil the butt of the joke. Mm. Like often mm-hmm. we see this thing with Sherlock's where it's like, he's always the coolest person in the room. You kind of want to be him. Do you want to be him? Do you want to sleep with him? What is it about him? Whatever, you know, he's always right. And this is like, I, I guess he is always right, but he also doesn't like deduce a lot of things, but also he's fallible. Like he sits on his own violin at one point. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a bit in the next sequence where he like can't get the attention of the, of the dog they're using to help solve the case. He, but Olivia can. Ironically, he feels like the most human Right, Sherlock we've ever had, which is again ironic because he's a mouse, but like he feels like an actual person and not like this cool, off-put, aloof, or sexy. I want to fuck this guy, Sherlock that we've come to be used to in the last few. Yeah, I don't want to fuck this mouse. I I think too a big part of it is that like they make fun of how obsessed he is with the cases Mm. a little bit. Like, that's the thing with the, like, gun bit, is they're like, oh, look at him. He's, this is, like, his everything. And he's kind of, like, sillily trying to figure out his way. And I think that's what makes him so charming. He's also kind of a jerk. Like, he's, like, ignoring this tiny girl. He's like, I don't have time for you. And everyone else is like, it's Olivia, be kind. Mm -hmm. Which I think can be closer to other Sherlock adaptations of, like, he's kind of this jerk that doesn't care about feelings. But he's he's just, he's so good. I don't know. I really like Basil. I think he's a, one of the better, like you said, like human versions of this Sherlock figure. Yeah. And I think 
too, you know, when he's like, I don't want to help you a little girl go away, you know, she starts crying or like being upset. And then he like feels bad. Yeah. Which I feel with mm-hmm. like other Sherlock's that we've seen. Sherlock wouldn't feel bad, but, th- but I like that this one is like, Oh, oh no, don't cry. Wait, no, I'm sorry. Well, and it feels much more like, like not like he's being like rude intentionally. It feels much more that he's like, hyper-focused yeah like i'm, I'm mm-hmm. diagnosing this mouse with adhd i know <laughs> i was gonna say and then he's like i don't want to be distracted right now and then when he has a second he's like oh what's happening here who are you <laughs> why are you crying in my house <laughs> basil definitely has adhd i agree yeah so she's like my father's been kidnapped by a peg-legged one-winged bat and uh, basil's like there's only one person there's only one peg-legged one-winged bat which is probably true and there's only one person that this peg-legged, one-winged bat is working for. And then we meet the best character right, in he's the like, film. He's like, well, no, I have to go back. He's like, it, it, this Radigan is behind. It has to be Radigan. And he points and he has a portrait, a framed portrait on his wall of his <laughs> nemesis, Radigan, which is our Moriarty. And it's signed, too. Is it signed? It's signed. That's incredible. I mm-hmm. So often when we see uh, Sherlock adaptation... The central like queer dynamic is the Holmes Watson dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent the Holmes Moriarty dynamic here. It's like it's like mm-hmm. nemesis in brackets endearing, like yes. <laughs> nemesis brackets ex boyfriends. So then we cut to Radigan, the best character, the 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 man, the rat, the legend. Second second to Olivia, best character <laughs> in the film. Yeah, Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Showing a great deal of re- vocal range, for one thing, mm-hmm. which is not something that I associate with Vincent Price. Right. Eats this whole movie up. Incredible. Incredible work. This is the first time that we've seen a Moriarty that I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want to mess with this one. He should be allowed to do crimes? Not even like he should be allowed to do crimes. Like, I don't want to fuck with this guy. Oh, because <laughs> he's very evil. He's very evil. But also, he's gay and whimsical, and I... Yeah. He has my heart. Oh, yeah. Really gay. Really gay. So gay. Very queer-coded. In a way that, like, there's a couple of things going on here that I think are a little bit gross, but I'm, like, coming back and being like, actually, this is cool <laughs> from a queer perspective now. Like, obviously, queer-coding of villains is, like, a, a difficult trope. Well, yeah. But right. as a queer person, I can be like, it slaps to see somebody as camp as this on screen. Mm-hmm. And the movie's like, he should die for that. orphans <laughs> and... Yeah. The other thing that's a little questionable for me is there's this odd, like, race science thing going on, which is that he is like a rat pretending to be a mouse. Yeah. And they're like, he like doesn't want to admit that he's a rat, but he actually is, which means he doesn't belong in their world. And like, like, that all feels a little gross. Right. Even though his name is Radigan. And his name is Radigan. You think he'd change the name? Like he could have changed it. <laughs> right. To Mouse again. Mousiardi. Mousiardi. Oh my God. That's Very funny. good. So he gets a song. So he, yeah, he gets a song. It's uh, a great song. He gets a song. What's the song called? Radigan. It's just called Radigan. 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 Yeah. Oh, Radigan. I'll play, I'll, <laughs> I'll drop in a like 30 second clip of the song here. 
from the brain that brought you the big Ben Caper, the head that made headlines in every newspaper, and wondrous things like the Tower Bridge job, that cunning display that made Londoners sob. Now comes the real tour de force. Tricky and wicked, of course. My earlier crimes were fine for their times, but now that I'm at it again... An even grimmer plot has been simmering in my great criminal brain. Even meaner, you mean it. Worse than the widows and orphans you drown. You're the worst around. Oh, Radigan! Oh, Radigan! First of all, there's only two songs in this entire movie, and they're both sung by Radigan. Oh, like, no, there's that, that, that one song in the bar. Oh, there is a song in the bar, that's true, but that's background. The, this is the only non-diegetic song. Yeah. I think. I think it's non-diegetic. It's kind of unclear, actually, because he is forcing everyone to sing along, and yeah. he gets mad at him when one of them completes a line the wrong way. And calls him a rat. And calls him a rat. Also, there's a lot of alcohol in this yeah. Both in this movie and in this sequence for like a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mm-hmm. think the alcohol is always associated with like bad characters. But like everybody's drinking. I mean, everybody drank in the 80s. And one of, <laughs> so one of his mouse henchmen, he has a whole backup group of henchmen, mm-hmm. is really drunk and finishes a line wrong, calls him a rat. And he kills this mouse by feeding him to a cat that answers to a bell that he has mm-hmm. giant orange cat giant, giant orange, right? cat. orange cat named felicia felicia we then cut back to baker street yeah yeah we get this whole song at like the whole shebang yeah whole villain stuff this whole I, movie takes place in like two days less mm-hmm. yeah i would say i would mm-hmm. say even one day is it one day well it's night when it starts and then the ju- isn't the jubilee so. tomorrow at the yeah. beginning of the movie and then he shows up at the jubilee so i think it's two days okay we never see daytime. Yeah. There's also a really nice trickling out of information in regards to the main case. Like, we hear that the Queen's Diamond Jubilee is coming up pretty early in the film, mm-hmm. but we don't realize it's relevant until pretty late. Right. You know? And we don't know why mm-hmm. he's kidnapped a toy maker and what he's what he's going to do with him. You know, we see him starting to build something, but we don't know what it is. It all sort of comes together at the last minute. He never reveals his whole plan. Right. Until the very end of the movie, in a way that I like. Yeah. It feels like you're solving the mystery with Basil, in a way. Yeah. Right. There are certainly hints along the way, but you don't get to put it together till the very end. Right. When we get back to Baker Street after the Radigan song, Dawson immediately, like, sidekicks himself. Yes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, well, Holmes, what do you, what do you make of it? <laughs> like, he's, <laughs> he's, like, so ready to be, to be Watson. It's really incredible. <laughs> he's like, I guess I'm invested. Like, instead of being like, well, I, I'm glad I introduced you. You could have some work to do. I'm going to go find a place to sleep for the night. He's like, I'm part of this now. I'm part of the story now. <laughs> I'm in this movie. Which is cute. Yeah. I like that. I like that he recognizes that he's a Watson waiting to happen. And so Basil's like, well, we got to go back to the toy shop and search for clues. Right. Which means we have to meet Toby the dog. Yes, Toby. Who is Holmes and Watson's dog. Mm-hmm. We hear the voices of Holmes and Watson. It's Nigel Bruce and Basil Rathbone. It's recorded audio from one of the films 
that they inserted here about them going off to the opera. It's sampled from a 1966 reading of the Redheaded League. Huh. Which is our favorite. Which we is, love Redheaded League. We love League. Redheaded League. So also a cool nod. <laughs> also, as soon as I pulled the this movie up on Disney Plus, I was like, that the character design of Watson especially is so clearly Nigel Bruce. Oh yeah. They're totally based off of They're totally based off of that specific incarnation of the characters, which is fun for us. It's also interesting because simultaneously to this movie, Granada was airing. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there was any Granada influence in it. I oh, didn't notice anything, but... Yeah, yeah, I think it's the things that Granada keeps from Bruce and Rathbone mm. that show up. And this still, I don't think that feels like a specific reference. Like, I, I think that starting with Bruce and Rathbone, we're like, Sherlock is the taller man and Watson has a mustache and like those kinds of things that we see forever and ever and ever yeah. from this point. Well, also show up here. Not always, but most of the time, most of the time we've never had a Watson who's taller. Not yet. Not yet. Put that on your bingo card. <laughs> but yeah, we meet Toby and he leads them to They're They're on the trail of fidget. Yes. The bat, the peg legged bat. And he leads them to the toy store, not the toy store where the Flavishams live, mm-hmm. but the toy store above it. A human toy store. A human toy store. And there's like this little little hole cut in the window to open it up so you can tell like it's being robbed by a little guy. Mm-hmm. Olivia has tagged along because she's stubborn. She's like, I want to go too. Yeah. Yeah. They do a, a trope that I really like here where she, he's like, you're not coming and that's final. And then we just cut to her being there. <laughs> I think it's really good. Cool. <laughs> I always love that. So this is the sequence that scared you as a kid? Yes. I think it's the fact that the toy shop is dark and like eerily lit. And then there's a moment where Fidget like jumps out. Mm. And like that really scared me as a kid. I think it was just like all the lead up to that. Mm -hmm. Even though there are the moments where like Fidget is like singing and like taking the like toy soldiers jackets and stuff. Yeah. It just really scared me as a kid. I don't know why. Yeah. Even when he's singing his cute little song, get the coats, I get the gears, I get the girl. Right. I don't get the girl. (laughs) He has a checklist from Radigan of four things he's supposed to get, which is also like a clue for the audience. Although it later becomes a clue for Basil as well. Basil Um, baby. What? Basil baby. Basil baby. But the, the, his four things are that he needs uniforms, gears, Girl. Uh, the girl. What's the fourth thing? Chapstick? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we don't know why he needs those things, but he's taking uniforms off of toy soldiers. He's taking gears from like wind-up toys. And I think one of the things that makes this sequence potentially scary is that we know in the audience that he's in the room and Basil and Dawson and Olivia do not for a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. We know he's creeping around. He's adorable. I love Fidget. <laughs> I'll tell you the sequence that I thought was going to be your, your scariest sequence later. Yeah. I it's think still coming up. The sequence I'm thinking you're thinking of, I think that was secondarily scary. But for some reason, this one just got me. Yeah. Well, again, it's a creepy toy store. It's dark. These toys are seemingly coming to life at one point. Yeah. Yeah, because there is this frightening thing happening <laughs> where once Fidget decides to attack, I guess, yeah. he starts just setting off all of the toys. So it's this odd, like, why are all the toys going off, you know? what's happening moment for our heroes. And then we get a really inventive action sequence here because they find a lot of interesting ways to use all of the 
like toys and things that are in a toy shop to create like obstacles and uh, opportunities for the characters and like things to climb and hide behind. And, you mm-hmm. know, so it's, it's a really, I think, well directed and designed sequence. I think it's fun from that sense. Mm-hmm. And eventually Fidget gets away with Olivia. Yes. Kidnaps her. I always find it interesting that, and maybe like we'll see it, see it more with hopefully other adaptations, but this might be, one of, if not the most action-packed homes that we've seen. Oh, just wait till Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I, oh, I know. But, like, right as of now, this is, like, the most, like, action-y, like, adventure stuff that we've gotten out of Holmes. Because we're so used to him just, like, sneaking around or him just, like, solving the mystery. Like, just, you know, like, yeah, subdued and all that. Meanwhile, this Holmes is, like... I'm climbing up these giant blocks to save the girl. Right. I'm going to be flying in the air soon. Like, Right. I think there's something very daring do and very American about it that he's like putting his life on the line and saving damsels. and The Indiana Jonesification of Sherlock Holmes. Right. Yeah. So in that mm-hmm. sense, it is very true to like the spirit of the books. But it's more fun. Oh, it's certainly fun. I don't know about more fun, but it's certainly fun. Fidget gets away with Olivia and then like Dawson is like really broken up about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he really he was like we failed that girl i forget exactly what he says and basil has to have this like very pardon the expression human moment with him <laughs> where he like comforts him <laughs> and it's really the first time that they have like any shared anything together right and i think he promises to get her back right yeah yeah we'll get her back old sport he doesn't say that he says something similar he says something like that yeah it's not the great gatsby it, it can be because Radigan's mad at Fidget for losing the list because he's left the list behind. Basil has it now. Yeah. And he feeds him to the cat. Or attempts to. Attempts to. The movie the movie can't get rid of Fidget, so the cat gives up on eating him. Seemingly. Well, not even that. Radigan stops her because he's like, oh, ba- Basil has the list. He's obviously going to try and find me. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect way to capture him. Right. Back at Baker Street, Basil is doing like paper science. <laughs> he's like yeah. he's like inspecting it for chemicals and he's like he's he's breaking it up and burning it and like feeding it through a tube and you know It's like, nice to see that. It is nice to see that. Yeah, it's nice to see the the process. And we get a like very like concise series of deductions about where the paper was written. He's like, Well, it had to be the sewer because of this, it had to be from this manufacturer because of this. And it like narrows it down very, very clearly to one location. Mm-hmm. And he's like, because of these four factors. It's a, yeah, it's nice. It's a, it's a good moment of like deduction. Yeah. So I'm glad that we, st- it's not all action scenes. I'm glad there's still some of this. Right. Stuff going on. How do you feel about the balance? The balance between deduction and action? Yeah. I think, I think that this film does a really good job of both. I feel like Basil still has those elements like in this scene of having his like deductive side. And I think that that's really fun. I agree with Sasha that this film is a lot more action than normal, but I think because it's animation, it just makes it really fun and really like mm-hmm. sort of like kid attention focus. But I still think that it balances out the deduction versus action. Yeah. I think there's a real economy in the writing because there's effectively only four sequences in the movie but they pack a lot into a lot of the character beats and plot beats into 
those four sequences. There's the intro where we meet the characters, which is split between Baker Street and Radigan's Horde. Mm-hmm. There's the sequence of the toy shop. And then there's only two more sequences from here. There's the there's this middle sequence we're leading into now, where following the clue, Basil and Dawson go to a bar called the Rat Trap. Right. Which leads to Radigan's Lair, where mm-hmm. they get captured. And then there's a big climax, which we'll cover in just a minute. Yeah. And that's the whole movie. I mean, it's just those four things. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's impressive that they, they get so much story, so much character into those, into this hour and 10 minutes without it feeling like really rushed. Yeah. Nor does it feel long either. Right. It, it, it's like the perfect, it's the perfect amount of time. Yeah. Unlike BBC Sherlock. <laughs> right. Too much time. Too much time. So, so Basil and Dawson go to the rat trap disguised as as lowlifes yeah i mean arguably bad disguises yes all basil has is like little mini mustache yeah i feel like basil's disguise is better because he's like doing he's like changing the way he walks and he's done a, doing a voice <laughs> and he's got a whole like character disguise and he like knows how to look look like a lowlife he brings dawson with him inexplicably because presumably he knows he could do this better alone and Dawson is dressed as Smee from Peter Pan in a crop top <laughs> and is like just extraordinarily bad at pretending to be not a gentleman. He's, he's like, Bravo. He like bumps into somebody. He's like, oh, pardon me. <laughs> and there, there's another musical number on the stage of this there, rat trap place. There is. The, the owners of the bar try to drug them. Oh, yeah. This is like Dawson confirmed heterosexual. First of all, Ugh. first of all, Dawson does fully get drugged. Yes. He drinks the drugged beer, whatever it is. And the only effect it seems to have is that it makes him like double drunk very fast. Mm -hmm. And he's like besotted with one of the performers on stage and he like gets up and joins the number. In the meanwhile, Basil has noticed that Fidget is at the bar and he like sneaks off. There's a a fight that gets started and there's a commotion. He he sneaks off into commotion. Yeah. And Dawson finds a trap door. Yeah. That leads to the sewers. Luckily, Dawson sobers up, but Dawson, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the drug is they gave him, but it, like, it it works on him for like five minutes where he's like a little loopy and then he's totally fine. <laughs> like, what was the plan? <laughs> I feel like the plan was probably to knock him out, like with like, because like the piano player like brings up a club to try to like hit Dawson on the head. That seems like overkill. But like, then hits like another if, other bar person. Like, if the drug is strong enough, then well, you don't need to hit him on the head. Yeah, and if you're going to hit him on the head, you don't need to drug him. Right. He's a large soldier from Afghanistan. He can withstand the drugs. That's true. <laughs> He's also just living out his fantasy of being a dancer. What's wrong with that? That's very true. I, I love a, bra- a bar brawl. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Always fun yeah. to have a bar brawl. We-, we love a bar brawl. We love a bar brawl. They So they get up to Radigan's lair. They see the silhouette of... Olivia. Thank you. <laughs> I forgot her name. <laughs> Olivia, who... Olivia is, has been trapped inside a bottle, like a ship. Yes. Yeah. So they see her... So at the bottle, they go up to free her and... It's Fidget. It's Fidget. In a dress. <laughs> in a dress and wig. I think it's a wig. There's a wig too, right? Is there a wig? Maybe just a hat. No, it's just a hat. Olivia doesn't have hair. She's a mouse. Yeah, it's her little... It's her little... Oh, what do you call it? Like a sailor hat? The French hats. Beret. Oh, beret. No. Okay. Beret. It's a little beret. Oh. And, and this is so extra. 
they lower a banner that says welcome basil from the ceiling because <laughs> they've been expecting him and Radigan's talk like, about a gay romance honestly and Radigan's like oh what the hell do i have i expect you here like 15 minutes ago my boyfriend's here you guys <laughs> and this is cute that <laughs> they they trap him they trap the both of them well first Radigan kind of like teases basil to the point where basil just becomes like upset with himself or something like he kind of gives up or yeah whatever. yeah this is interesting because we don't often see this as a side of the sherlock character is that like moriarty's like you'll never be smarter than i am and you failed and all that kind of stuff and he like believes him yeah you know which mm-hmm. is unusual but they set him up in the most convoluted trap <laughs> you know this is not a heterosexual trap for just like some guy who's been annoying you this is like big nemesis no this is big boyfriend trap. Big boyfriend trap. They're they're in they're literally in a mouse trap, mm-hmm. and there's a record playing. I don't know why there's a delaying going on when he could just kill them immediately. He, I think <laughs> I, I mean honestly, I think he wants to give them a chance to get away. Although <laughs> he's like, "Come find me, come find me." It's literally overkill, though. It's like <laughs> when the record finishes playing, there's the string attached to the needle. When the needle pulls over, a ball in a cup. A, yeah, right. It's which like, will go down a, a very long ramp. Right. There's like a gun that fires and an axe that falls. And, well, and the well, ball no, sets it, off the mousetrap. Yeah, the ball sets off the mousetrap, which is connected to a gun, which shoots th- them. But the gun is also connected to an axe that falls. And then an, an axe will also fall and bring down a giant anvil. Right. It's a little much. We'll, we'll kill you three different ways. What I love about <laughs> this also is that, like, speaking of, like, big nemesis <gasps> slash lover vibes... Is that Radigan has has composed and written a song? Like the record, <laughs> the record is him singing. It's a song called "Goodbye So Soon." Wow, <laughs> which is incredible. Which is incredible. We love him. We love him. So this is where we. This is this is the beginning of the fourth sequence. This is the like the hinge point really between the two sequences. Yeah, because we well we find out the plan. We find out the plan finally. The the toy maker has created a toy queen victoria mouse full-size queen victoria mouse robot that is going to be controlled and make radigan in charge of all of mousedom we'll get to it because it it doesn't happen in this scene but happens in the next scene but the actual title is royal consort yeah which i think means he's sleeping with the queen well i think so he's trying to prove he's straight (laughs) <laughs> so the, the 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 point is basically that the queen will be like, on the occasion of my diamond jubilee, I present to you Radigan. He's going to make all the rules from now on, and then Radigan will just be like, I have some I have some suggestions. Let's start here, <laughs> and he starts listing off his rules. But before right. that happens, Holmes and Watson, or rather Basil and Dawson, escape from the trap. Mm-hmm. Well, first Dawson has to give like a little pep talk they to Basil, talk, right? Because he's actually like like beaten up about losing, quote yeah. unquote. And of course, Radigan is like, let's make the little girl watch as well. You know, we'll put the little girl close by as well. Mm-hmm. But so Basil's like really like defeated. And Dawson's like, listen, buddy, we're about to die. Stop feeling sorry for yourself and figure a way out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this because like, it's a short film. There's not a lot of time, but it's nice to see like the emerging dynamic between the two of them. Like they both have a chance to bolster the other at some point in this movie. Yeah. Which is nice because, you know, they decide to keep, keep on keeping on at the end of this. Yeah. They're friends. They're friends. 
And Basil is like, oh, wait a minute. That's a great idea. Let's let the trap fall. Hmm. And Dawson's like, wait, what? <laughs> but Basil does like all these calculations and, you know, is able to get them free somehow. It's another fun little example of the like deduction to action ratio when both are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he's deducing how to get them out of this very complicated thing that is happening that is very violent and all over the place. <laughs> but he does. Gets them out. Mm-hmm. Saves Olivia. Bring calls for Toby, and then they rush off to Buckingham Palace. Yes, they arrive in the Tada Nick of Time. They save the Queen from being tossed to Felicia, and they they interrupt the uh, evil plan. The evil plan, which is which has devolved into Radic and just listing all of the new laws he's suggesting, which is basically if you're young, old. Any any type of disability, then you're then you're screwed. Then you owe money, you, right? Give me all your money, right? Exactly. And then Basil, you know, just in the nick of time, pretends to be the queen robot mouse, kind of destroys it, and then of course calls Radigan a rat. That yes. sets him off. That also sets the people off that are in the room. Right? They're like oh, a rat, a big brawl. Let's go. <laughs> Uprising, mutiny. Right. Radigan kidnaps Olivia again and runs off. This time they fly away in their little balloon contraption. Yeah. Which is very dramatic. Pedaled by Fidget. Very dramatic for like the characters, obviously. But imagine being like a normal human walking around London and there's this tiny <laughs> dirigible floating around with a screaming mouse. <laughs> And a tiny bat pedaling wheels. What'd you say? With a peg leg. <laughs> With a peg leg. Toby has chased the cat into the where other guard dogs are, so the cat's gone. We don't have to worry about the cat anymore. Yeah, I guess we assume the cat is dead. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, probably. But Basil, the toy maker, and Dawson create like this little flying thing with balloons and a matchbox mm-hmm. and give chase. And Radigan crashes through the face of Big Ben. Yes. With Olivia and Basil. This is the final sequence. Yes. Which this is like the coolest sequence because it's where all the 3D animation is. Yeah. There's this really beautifully animated turning 3D clockwork gears thing going on. It's lovely. And it's also like scary. Like there's a, like this is the part that I thought was maybe scary earlier because there's like this inhuman scale to the machine and then like Radigan is like unleashing his beast form he's like he like really becomes the rat quote unquote Mm -hmm. instead of the like you know foppish distinguished guy he mostly has been in the movie Mm -hmm. he like you know gets like scary and rat and (laughs) precisely it's the technical term yeah so we get this like big big chase sequence Basil saves Olivia but is hanging off of Big Ben and Radigan's about to, you know, claw at him to... Well, interestingly, the setup is very much like one of the film parodies we watched without a clue, but the ending is very much like the other film parody we watched, Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother. You remember the end of, ending of that movie? No. Where, I, I, I blocked that out. I mean, honestly, it's a bad movie. <laughs> but Gene Wilder gets Moriarty up on the ledge outside the props warehouse and he times it just right so that the bell goes off and Moriarty loses his grip and falls into the river below. Yeah. That's what happens here is that Radigan is like, they're fighting on the clock hands of Big Ben and the clock chimes mm-hmm. uh, and he loses his balance and falls. But it's like a Reichenbach moment because Basil goes down too. Right. 
classic Disney death. Yes. Villain falls from mm-hmm. high thing. You never see him again. Yeah, he just goes down. And how does Basil fall? Basil, he gets pulled down. Like Radigan pulls on his leg and like grabs him as well. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And there's this pregnant pause where where all the characters are like, oh no, and you at home are like, it's fine. It's a movie about a cartoon mouse. <laughs> He's probably fine. And he is. And he, he is pedaling the little. Right, the broken off bit of Radigan's dirigible that Fidget was pedaling before, which has, which is just the pedals and the propeller, yeah, has turned into like a personal helicopter. Radigan is no more. Basil and Dawson get awarded a medal from Queen Mouse Victoria, and Olivia and her father are going reunited, away. Yeah, they're reunited and they're going away. Mm-hmm. And she's like, bye, Basil. And then... And then, right. And then we get the, like, resolution to the Dawson-Basil relationship. Right. Because Dawson's like, well, I guess... I gotta go. Guess that's it. I guess I should go look for a place to live. This was fun. (laughs) And then there's, like, a a client arrives. Yeah. And... Dawson's like, well, you've come to the right place. And Basil's like, yes, me and my partner. My trusted associate. My trusted associate... Dawson and Dawson's like oh okay sure you mean it uh, right let's go and presumably moves in and they live happily ever after and Toby's outside listening in on this case as well that's when we see Toby mm-hmm. the last time yeah. and yeah that's how it ends that's the great mouse detective so this is my first time seeing this movie like I said at the beginning and it's a really fun movie I can see why you guys both like it I think it's written really strongly, really smart and sharp. I think there's some fun twists on the like dynamic. It's interesting that it feels a little far afield of like what Arthur Conan Doyle was doing, but you know, it's a movie I would very happily recommend to anybody to watch. I think it's a perfect family film. What did you guys both think revisiting it? It's so lovely. It's just it's very succinct. I think the shortness of it makes it kind of special in its own way that it doesn't really have time to like add fluff. So it's like all of the moments really matter. And it's just, it's actiony, it's funny, it's it's campy, it's got heart. It's it's everything you could want in a little mouse movie. It's just, it's very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I love this movie. I, I think it it kind of how do I want how do I want to say this? To me, this is one of like the correct Sherlock Holmes movies. Cause it kind of has everything that I think of when it comes to Sherlock Holmes. And then it has the additions of like it being a cute little mouse movie and it like having like some like action packed adventure things. Like it, it, it feels like a very, what I would want in a Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah. Well, I like that the case also feels small and manageable. Like when we get to the, Robert Downey Jr. movies, like some of those are like the cases get really weird and like really intense and convoluted. There's like a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I like that this is like, you know, a lot of fun characters, Mm -hmm. fairly understandable case. And, you know, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't try to do too much. It knows what it is. I I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it has like really wonderful characters in it. Characters that are still remembered to this day. I mean... Even though, like, Great Mouse Detective is not seen in, like, the Disney parks or, like, in any, like, modern Disney canon, you ask any person who grew up with that film, everybody remembers Radigan, everybody remembers Olivia, yeah. everybody remembers Basil. Like, it's it's a very memorable 
film. And again, without this, we really would not have the Disney Renaissance that we have. And Disney would not be what it is today. So let's rate this movie. Yes. So we have a lovely rating scale, which we call the LGBTQ rating scale, which is loyalty to source material, grade of mystery, how good is the mystery, Britishness, how British is the film, total enjoyment, and finally, queerness, how queer is this movie? Queer subtext. Queer subtext, but queerness as well in general. Great. So starting at the top then, loyalty to source material. Oh, uh, each each element is out of five. Yes, but we can go above. Or below. Or below. <laughs> but I, I don't think that this category calls for above or below. I think this is going to be within the five. So this is, this is again, the interesting thing because it's an adaptation of an adaptation of the Sherlock Holmes right. canon. Right. Obviously, we don't know how faithful this is to Basil of Baker Street. No. And, and also, that's not what we're measuring here. I think there are a lot of things that get really right about the Sherlock Holmes character, Basil, in this case. Yeah. Which is that, like, he is a detective. He is solving crimes. And he's like fallible, which is something that we often don't get in adaptations, but is is very much present in the original stories. The situation, obviously, I don't think it's a five out of five because the situation is uh, is not totally true. Like it's a it's a much bigger sort of mystery than Sherlock usually deals with, with a lot more like action scenes, and obviously, like the nemesis relationship isn't really present. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, I think they get a lot right. There's a lot of feels really right in the spirit. Yeah. I'd go three out of five. What do you both think? Three point five out of five. Okay. See, I would say a four. I think it gets a lot of like the details of Sherlock Holmes correct. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think that there's a lot of things that it that are like pretty adaptational. Like I I don't think that Sherlock ever gets involved in this kind of case. I don't think that he ever has these kinds of relationships with this kind of relationship with a nemesis. He's never a mouse. Yeah. (laughs) For starters. For starters. (laughs) So I I think it's a little lower than a four for me. Maybe we we compromise on a 3.5. Okay. Yeah, I can compromise. 3.5. I stand by it. Grade of mystery. How mysterious is this mystery? How good is this mystery? I like this mystery. I think it's a four for me. I like this mystery. I think it's a solid four. Yeah. It's not too surprising. And like, once you find out what it is, it's not like you're like, oh, but it it is a mystery. You don't really know what Radigan is up to. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think the plot is so invested in like there being clues that we follow. There's like a very couple of times that there is a clue. Mm-hmm. But when the mystery lands, when we find out what happens, we're like, oh, we kind of had some clues, but there's a lot of things we just didn't know, you know? And and I don't think that Basil, I don't think Basil ever solves it either. Like, I think Basil Mm-mm. is as surprised as the audience is when we figure out what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you rate it? But on the other hand, I, I like that it's simple. I like there are some clues. I think it's a... A three or four for me? Maybe another 3.5? What do you both think? I like it. I think it's a four. I would say it's a solid four. Just because it's clean and not too convoluted, but still not inherently obvious. Even if we didn't get as many clues throughout, I still think it's a good mystery. Yeah. Great. Four. Four. 
Alrighty, how British is this film? I think it's very British. Very British. It's it's pretty British. We, we're really just trying to alienate we any start, that we might have. We start on the foggy streets of London. We mm-hmm. have a, a fight in Big Ben. Yes. We have a, a bar brawl, which could be British specifically. Entertainment at the bar feels very like music hall in nature. Mm-hmm. The Mouse Queen equivalent is in the film. Right? Yeah. That's true. There's a certain, yeah, a certain love of queen and country going on there. Cheese scones? Is it a five on Britishness? I think it's a good five. What, what, what else have we given a five in Britishness? Five. Let's compare. Uh, Blue Carbuncle, the good old Granada, and Sherlock Holmes and the Voice of Terror. Okay, yeah. I think this is at least as British as those things. Yeah. So this is a five. This is a five. Alrighty. Total enjoyment. Total enjoyment. A five. A six. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a fun movie. It's lovely. It's lovely. It's a fun movie. I always have a fun time watching it. I'd give it a six as well, Lindy. Okay, I'll meet you both at a six. What 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 would you give it? What are you Uh, what are your feelings? I I could have gone five, but I'm happy with six. I think that's fun. Nice. Alrighty. Queer subtext, queerness. Our two boyfriends, Radigan and Basil. Yeah. I uh... I feel like the setup is pretty queer. I feel like just the, the you know, the big nemesis, I only think of you and foiling your schemes thing feels very queer. But it it does end with them fighting to the death in a way that feels less homoerotic and more violent. <laughs> right. So I think it's maybe another 3.5 or 4 for me. What do you all think? I give it like a 3. Yeah. I will say that the Dawson... Basil relationship is like as straight as we've ever seen it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they have like the a lovely moment where it's clear they're going to like develop a more of a relationship, it feels like it's going to be a friendship. Yeah, yeah, yes. But even then, I think I think Radigan is so queer. Yeah, it's true. I would give it a four. I think it's a pretty. I think it's a pretty queer film, a pretty queer character, and obviously Basil and Radigan are boyfriends. Or exes of some sort. I can meet you at a four. I can meet you at a four. Okay. I think that's fair. Just because Radigan is the queerest of queer. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So adding up that total score, we have a rating of 22 and a half out of... 25. 25. Making it the second highest in our adaptation so far, right behind Granada. Wow. High marks. We have finally found something that is matching Granada's greatness, I feel. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Well, Lindy, thank you for joining us to watch The Great Mouse Detective and House MD. We so loved having you on as a guest. It's been lovely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. We adore you. Where can people find you? In the woods, generally speaking. Perfect. If you go down to the (laughs) woods today. Next week... We'll be watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And following that, please, it's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I'm so excited. Finishing out our Anther Animals and Sherlock Holmes series. I'm so excited. With two more cartoons. We've been your Baker Street regulars. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.